morning uh, to, uh, to one and all. Uh, can I get you to keep your Bibles open uh, or your uh, order of service open uh, at Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14? Uh, I know the verses will come up here, but it's actually always helpful to have the, the whole context there in front of you. So if you have that open there, uh, that would be fantastic. And let me lead us in prayer uh, as we come to look at this passage together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us uh, by your Spirit through your Word. We thank you that you've been speaking to us as your Word was read. And we pray that you continue to do that now as we consider this passage. We pray that you help us to understand uh, not only what uh, uh, you were saying through the Apostle Paul uh, to the people, uh, uh, the churches in Galatia, uh, but what you are saying to us today. Uh, so help us, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a question to start with. If I said to you, can you give me one good reason why God would allow you into heaven, what would you say? Right, think about it for a moment. Why would God allow you into heaven? Right, don't, don't, don't wait for me to move on. Actually formulate an answer. Right? Why should God, the just judge, let you into heaven rather than condemn you to hell on the last day? Think about it. There are actually two different ways that you could have answered that question. In the first way, you could have referenced something you'd have done. I did this good thing, or I didn't do this bad thing. All right? Let me illustrate it by sitting on this chair. This chair represents me relying on what I've done in order to get right with God. Alternatively, you could have referenced Christ, what He has done. In particular, His death on the cross for your sins. So I illustrate that by sitting on this chair. This represents relying on what Christ has done. What I have done, what Christ has done. Which of those two reflects the answers you had in your head just a moment ago? Remember your answer, because we're going to come back to that at the end of the sermon. But for now, I'm going to switch mics to this one. And we're going to look at Galatians. Now, remember where we're up to in Galatians. Back in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul was astonished that the Galatians were moving away from the gospel of Christ. And he says, if anyone preached to you a different gospel, whether it's an angel from heaven or Paul himself, let him be accursed, let him be eternally condemned. Because the gospel that Paul preached was a gospel that would give eternal life. And moving away from that, would lead to death, condemnation. And the gospel that Paul preached was under attack in the Galatian churches. It was the true gospel. He received it personally from Jesus Christ. He preached it for many years independently of the apostles in Jerusalem. And remember back in chapter 2, later on, then he is led, he goes back, he goes to Jerusalem, he confers with the apostles there, and they agree with him. They preach the same gospel. They agreed that we are saved only by faith in Christ, not by observing the law. 
But then, in verse 11 onwards, of chapter 2, when Peter came to Antioch, he wavered under pressure. And, and Paul had to rebuke him. See, Peter knew that the Gentiles were saved by faith in Christ, just like the Jews. He agreed they don't have to follow the Jewish laws. In fact, he himself didn't follow sometimes. He was happy to sit with them and eat with them as brothers and sisters in Christ, something the Jews would previously never do. But when some people from the circumcision party came from Jerusalem, he kind of drew back, kept away from them. And this was sending the wrong signal. Because these people from Jerusalem were saying that faith in Christ is not enough. They were saying to the Gentile believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. You have to obey the law of Moses in order to belong to Jesus. If you're not circumcised, you're not really one of us. And by withdrawing from fellowship with the Gentiles, Peter gives the impression that he supports these people, even though he actually believes and teaches that we are saved by faith in Christ, not by observing the law. Now, Paul realizes that the issue at stake here is not just a question about circumcision. The real issue is the issue of justification. And he introduced that term in our passage last week. The word justification comes from the law courts. If a judge justifies someone, it means he declares them as righteous. Right? It's like declaring them not guilty, but, but even better, good. And if God, the just judge, justifies you, then he is declaring you righteous. You are right with him. Of course you have eternal life. The most obvious way of getting justified would be to observe God's law. Right? God gave his law to Moses in the Old Testament. So if you keep the law, then the judge at the end of the day will declare you righteous. But as Jews, both Paul and Peter knew that even the Jews couldn't keep the law. It's not the law's fault, lah. it's our fault, we're, we're sinful. We could never get justified, we could never be declared righteous with God on the basis of law. By the works of the law, chapter 2, verse 16, will no one be justified. That's why we're so thankful to God that he's made another way, that is to be justified by faith in Christ. If we have faith in Christ, then we're united with Christ by the Spirit. Spiritually, we are together. We are one. Right? We bring our sin. Christ brings his righteousness. We share everything because we are spiritually united. So when Christ died on the cross, it was, it was our sin that he died for. Right? Looking at it one way, we can say we were crucified with Christ right? because we're united with him in that death. Looking another way, we could say that Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. Either way, he bore the penalty of our sin so that now it is gone. And what is left is his righteousness that he shares with us. And that is why it is perfectly right for the just judge to declare us righteous. We are justified because we are in Christ. And since it's faith that unites us to Christ, we can say that we are justified by faith. If we could be justified by law, then Christ died for nothing. We could have done it ourselves. 
that we can't be justified by law. We needed Christ to die for us so that we can be justified by faith. Now, the problem is these Galatians were beginning to believe the false teachers with their false gospel and they were about to get circumcised and start obeying the law of Moses. But Paul realizes this will have terrible implications on their justification. He sees it very clearly, which is why he's so upset with them at the beginning of chapter 3. Look what he says in chapter 3, verse 1. He reminds them of that. He says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. I, I gave you the message of the cross. I told you that Jesus died for you. But now you're going to go back to obey the law of Moses to get yourself right with God, as if Christ died for nothing. Yeah, you're being such idiots. It's, it's like someone put a spell on you or gave you the evil eye. I can hardly believe you do something so silly. I don't know if you ever feel that kind of frustration. Maybe parents with, with their children sometimes. Maybe it's children with their parents sometimes. Or, you know, or sometimes your friends, you see people going so well, you think they've digested, they believe the gospel, and then they start wandering off into something else. As a pastor, I get really worried about some people. I want to say, wake up, wake up. You know, can't you see the spiritual danger you're in? Paul is very distressed about the direction the Galatians seem to be heading. He takes them back to when they first became Christians. He says in verse 2, Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the answer, of course, is by hearing with faith. All right, when they believe the gospel of Christ crucified, they receive the Spirit. Shows they belong to God. Why would you go and listen now to people who come and say that you have to obey the law to be saved? Ah, maybe they're thinking they don't have to obey the law to start being saved, but to stay saved. Right? Maybe they're thinking you get into Christ by faith and then you stay by observing the law. Right? After all, it's a little bit like God, how God did it under the old covenant, isn't it? God saved his people by grace from Egypt and then he gave them the law. And if they kept the law, they'll be blessed. If they don't keep the law, they'll be cursed. Maybe that comes to the New Testament as well. You get in by faith, you stay in by law. No. Paul says in verse 3, Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Israel couldn't keep the law. Neither can we. That's why God promised one day He would send the Spirit. He would change people from the inside. Wash them clean. Give them a new covenant. Not like the covenant He, he, he gave them before, which they broke, they couldn't keep. Right? These guys have received the Spirit. Now they're thinking of going back to law. Having begun by the Spirit, would they be brought to maturity by obeying, trying to obey the law that God gave to Moses when they can't even do that? No, 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 no. Come on, guys, Paul says. Surely you didn't endure all that persecution, all that hardship, all that pain. And you chuck it away now by adopting Judaism. Did you suffer, verse 4, so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? And look at the miracles God does among you. You weren't observing the law when God did all those miracles. You're simply trusting in Jesus. Verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the answer is hearing with faith. That's all you need. And it's not just you. What God did for you, he actually did for Abraham before. He's the model. He's a paradigm. Look at verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Right? That's a quote from Genesis 15. 
Abraham heard God's word. He received God's promises. He believed God. And when he believed God, God considered him righteous. He was justified. Justified because he believed God. He was justified by faith. And if you hear God's word, you receive God's promises in Christ, you believe God, you're in exactly the same position as Abraham. And if you're just like Abraham, you're considered sons of Abraham. Verse 7. Know then it is those of faith who were sons of Abraham. So if you believe the word of God like Abraham, you are justified like Abraham. You are an heir of his promises. And that's not just for Jews. That's not just for the biological descendants of Abraham. No, 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 no. God promised Abraham that people all over the world will be blessed through him. Verse 8, And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So the blessing to the nations that God promised to Abraham is what? It's justification by faith. And that blessing applies to all those who have faith, like Abraham. Jew or Gentile. Verse 9, so that those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Right? You see, there's no need to add the law to it to be saved. Abraham and his true heirs are justified by faith alone. So, if there are two ways to live, so to speak, that is the one way. Hearing the gospel and responding with faith. But then there was the other way, the law way, isn't it? Where does that lead? Have a look at verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. You see, the law, as a way of salvation, operated legally, because it's a law lah. And the law says you have to do all the things written in the book of the law. It's not just a boundary marker, circumcision. Or, it's all the things you have to do. If you say you want to be circumcised, you have to be circumcised. If you say you have to obey the law, guess what? You have to obey the whole law. If you're under the law, you cannot pick and choose. You have to obey it all. But you'll never achieve that. And so the curse of the law is upon you. If you rely on the works of the law to make you right with God, you are under a curse. For in the end, that is what the law brings. The Judaizers might thought they'd be justified, they'd be declared righteous because they kept the law. But actually, that's not even the expectation of the Old Testament. Paul says in, uh, in verse 11, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. And he quotes the prophet Habakkuk. In verse 9, the righteous will live by faith. How do you get life? It's by faith. Faith is not law. Right? Faith is trusting. Law is doing. Verse 12 says that. But the law is not of faith, but rather the one who does them shall live by them. A quote from Leviticus 18 verse 5. If you obey the law, if you do it, it will give you life. But you have to obey it. It's something to do. It's not believing, it's doing. You see the big difference? How are you going to get eternal life? 
How are you going to be justified? There's the faith way, by trusting in what Jesus has done. And there's the law way, by observing the law. There really are two ways to live. Except we've already seen if you go the law way, you have to keep the whole law. And if you don't, then you're under the law's curse. The Jews, the Jewish Christians, before they believed, they were, they were under the curse of the law. They would try to be justified by doing, sought to live the law way, eventually ends in curse until, until Christ saved them from that. And how does he save the Jewish believers from the curse of the law? Well, he did it by taking the curse for them. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. You know, the, the law itself taught that everyone who's hung on a tree is cursed. It's a sign of, sign of curse, sign of death under God's judgment. Right? It's, it's being strung up, hung up on a tree. And that's what happened to Jesus, isn't it? He was nailed to a wooden cross, hung on a tree, cursed. And yet he was the only one who ever kept the law perfectly, properly, from the heart. Why was he cursed? Verse 13 again, he became a curse for us. Right? The punishment that he bore, the curse that he bore, was the curse that every one of us deserves for disobeying God. Right? From the Jews, for the Jews that came from disobeying the law, it was the curse of the law of Moses. Christ redeemed, us from, Christ redeemed them from that law. And on the cross, he paid the price to free them from the curse of, of disobeying the law. But it's not just for the Jews. Paul's going to reference the Gentiles in verse 14. Because the curse that comes from disobeying the law of Moses is actually the same curse that comes from disobeying all God's laws. Right, back in the Garden of Eden, humankind is put under a curse for disobeying the commandment. And we're all under that curse, even those who don't have the law, because we disobey what we do know of, what, of God anyway. Right, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Yes, the law of Moses, but also every law to which we are disobedient. So what? Why? Actually, two reasons. Verse 1 and verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Remember what the blessing of Abraham was? Justification by faith. Jesus died to take our curse so that we can be justified by faith. And the other reason Jesus died to take our curse is the end of verse 14. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. In the Old Testament, God promised Israel that one day he would pour out his spirit upon them. He would change their hearts so they would really want to obey from the inside. Uh, before that, he would deal with their sin. And now the sins of God's people are dealt with on the cross. God pours out his spirit. So that those who believe are not only justified by faith, but also by faith receive the spirit. And it's the spirit, not the law, that will produce the fruit of godly living in the life of the believer. And we'll see more of that in the weeks to come. But friends, what we have seen today is that there are two ways to live. If you want to get the verdict of righteous from the courtroom of heaven, there are two ways to do it. There is the way in which we try to get right with God based on what we do. Remember that? What we do. And there was a way in which we 
trust in Christ and what he has done to make us right with God. Now, obeying the law of Moses was the classical example of, doing, of the doing way. Right? Uh, that's what Paul was so worried about. The Galatians would happen to them. Though I'm pretty certain that there's no one who is pressuring you to get circumcised and obey the law of Moses. Is that right? But that's not the only way of doing the doing one, isn't it? It's not the only way of going down this doing route. If you think that you are saved by doing good things, by being moral, attending church, being baptized or confirmed, going to Bible study, volunteering in the welcome team, giving money, helping the poor, being some kind of leader, bringing up your children, looking after your parents, being faithful to your spouse, being honest at work, avoiding particular sins, or doing particular good deeds. If you think you're going to get right with God, be declared righteous with God on that basis, then you're doing the doing way. And if your answer to the question at the beginning was, what I have done, or what I haven't done, then think again. If you're trying to get right with God by doing, you've got to do it perfectly. And you're never going to make it. That way, like the law, leads to condemnation. But thank God that he's opened up another way. And that is by trusting in his son. The Lord Jesus died for your sins and mine so that he paid the penalty for us so that we can be justified by faith, by trusting in him. All we need to do is to trust him. Believe that God raised him from the dead as our Lord. Trust in his death to take away our sins. So let me ask you again, what are you relying on to get to heaven? Why should God, the just judge, justify you? There might be some people here today who are relying on what they can do. Remember, this chair represents what I can do. Sitting in this chair, relying on this chair to keep me up is relying on what I can do. That's never going to work. This chair represents what Christ has done. What do I have to do? I need to stop relying on myself and the things that I'm doing. And I need to transfer my trust and rely on Jesus. Rely on his death on the cross to save me. From what I can do to what Christ has done. And unlike the Galatians, I need to stay here. I need to keep on relying on Jesus. I don't say, oh, I then go back over there. No, no, no. Every day I know I'm a sinner. Every day I know that Jesus has died for me. Every day I need to keep relying on him. Don't ever, ever, ever go back over there to try and earn your justification. We are justified by faith alone. And then we are given the gift of the Spirit who changes our lives and leads us to holiness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you gave your Son to rescue us. We thank you that he rescued us from the curse of sin by becoming a curse for us. We thank you that by faith we have received justification in the Spirit. And we know this is your work, not ours, and we, we thank you so much for that.
We pray that you help us to hold fast to this doctrine of justification by faith alone. Never water it down or change it. Help us never to rely on anything but the finished work of Christ for our salvation. And please guard us from those who will lead us away from that. Please help us to keep on portraying Christ crucified to the people around us, declaring his death for our sins. And for anyone here who has not yet put their trust in Christ, who is trying to do some good works in order to be saved, we pray that you help them to, to trust in Jesus alone, to transfer their trust to him, that they too might receive the gifts of justification and your Holy Spirit. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.